Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from The Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Leading us off on this edition is the man known as the Pro-Life Doc, practicing OBGYN Dr. William Lyle, who uses scriptural truth and scientific facts in order to present a strong case for the sanctity of life. In advance of a recent speaking engagement for Save a Life of Covington County in Alabama, he spoke with me, and some material from that conversation is ahead. Then from the Center for Executive Leadership in Birmingham, Alabama, George Shamlin visited the Meeting House recently to discuss the topic of biblical inerrancy, why it's important, and the implications of the church rejecting it. Comments from him are coming up. And on this edition of The Intersection, Steve Hines presents observations regarding applying the truth of God's Word into the process of parenting and how kids can be taught and encouraged to display the presence of Christ in and through their lives. Finally, it's back to Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Summer 2023 Christian Product Expo in Lexington, Kentucky, where neuropsychologist Michelle Bankson offered comments relative to pain, how Christians can regard it, and how God works in our lives through it. Material from that conversation is ahead. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. William Lyle is a practicing OBGYN doctor and is known as the Pro-Life Doc. He was the featured speaker for the 31st annual Save a Life Family Hope Center of Covington County Banquet recently, And in a Meeting House conversation, he offered a biblical as well as a scientific perspective on life, the development of a child in the womb, and how the preborn should be regarded as patients. Here now is William Lyle. Well, the biblical position is that from the moment of conception, we are created in the image of God. And at its core foundation, abortion is truly an attack against that image of God out of a hatred for God. So God is the creator of all science. So all true science will always and the preborn created in his image. From the moment of conception, when there is just one cell from the mom, one cell from the dad that unites, that first cell is genetically unique from the mom, unique from the dad, and unique from the other 7 billion people on the planet. And half the time, it's even a different gender. But this baby also can have a different blood type. And as this baby starts to develop, even seven weeks after conception, we can do a simple blood test on the mother's blood. And I can tell you with more than 99% accuracy, not if this is going to be a boy or going to be a girl, but if it is a boy or is a girl, by studying the unique genetics of this baby, where a few cells are in the mother's blood that we can study. But they're not just unique and different and of their own. They are my patients. When we have the need, we can actually do blood transfusions to babies in the womb to save their lives because the moms have a different blood type. And a lot of times they will attack the baby's blood. So we give them a blood transfusion and we can actually do that as early as 18 weeks gestation. But we are now performing surgery for babies on the inside of the womb. We are doing open heart surgery, spina bifida corrective surgery, laser vascular surgery. Um, Even up at Children's Hospital in Boston last month, they performed vascular 
brain surgery on a baby called a repair of a Galen malformation. So if we can do all of these things for babies in the womb, then truly they are patients. More than half of the states now actually have patients' bills of rights. And in medical school, the first thing that you learn is a Latin phrase, which is prima non nocere, which means first, do no harm. And the second thing you learn is that patients have rights, and we need to respect those rights and meet those needs. Even when they can't communicate, we're supposed to have empathy and understand what would this patient wants if they could communicate with me. So there are more patients on the open heart surgery. We're going to show you examples and actually take everybody into the OR on Monday. You're going to see videos. You're going to see pictures of how we treat the preborn as patients. But the most amazing one is really the open heart surgery, where mm-hmm. not only did they do surgery on this baby's heart with a tumor in it at 27 weeks gestation, but they actually exposed both of the baby's arms outside of the uterus. A pediatric anesthesiologist started an IV, and the baby was receiving fentanyl for pain and a medicine called norcuron, which is a paralytic, so the baby wasn't moving around. They did the open-heart surgery, turned the baby, removed the IV, and they delivered this baby 10 weeks later at 37 weeks gestation. The baby is doing great. I have pictures of the surgery, and I have pictures of the baby after the surgery. So patients have rights, and if they are a patient in the womb, then we need to defend these little patients because spiritually, these are the least of these. And when we look through Scripture, God has a relationship with us, and we respond with us while we are still in the womb. And that even when you look at Psalm 51.5, We were sinners from the moment our mothers conceived us. And if Christ came and gave his life for all sinners, then he gave that sacrifice for the preborn as well. He gave his life for us, but then he conquered death. And that is the goal, is we win this through the power of the gospel. So we're going to have a wonderful event Monday. We're going to celebrate the great work, the lives that are being saved, the souls that are being saved. But we're also going to share how we treat the preborn as patients. William Lyle here on The Intersection. You can find him online at prolifedoc.org. Next up on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's George Shamlin, pastor at the Center for Executive Leadership, which is a discipleship ministry in Birmingham, Alabama. In our recent conversation, he discussed some of the principles that he relates in the book entitled Inerrancy, You Better Learn This Word. Here now from that conversation is George Shamlin. When the minister said, George, parts of the Bible are true, parts are untrue. In other words, like a cafeteria plant. <laughs> Even then, I thought, now, wait a minute. You can't, you can't say that. You, you, how do you know which is true and which is untrue? He could not answer that question. People today can't answer it. And listen, there are parts of things in the cafe line, in the cafeteria, that are hard to take off the shelf and say, Lord, what does this mean? What is this? But at the end of the day, we have to say, he is God, I am not. It's his word, not my word, and I have to trust him in what he says. So as we look at this phenomenon 
if you will, within the church where people are picking and choosing. And someone might say, well, this is, you know, Scripture, it's a, a private interpretation. You believe what you want to believe. I believe what I want to believe. And you find people that have developed ideas that are clearly unbiblical. And again, it's this whole concept of the whole counsel of God. How do we actually determine these these parts where that have well, made inroads into the church today that are clearly unbiblical. Yeah, of course. And and I will say, again, if we look back in history to go a little deeper on a theological issue, Karl Barth was a theologian, and so many of our seminaries in America were impacted by his teaching, and it was very damaging to the church. He said the Bible— is not the Word of God, but it contains the Word of God. And to some people, they may say, that doesn't sound, you know, that big of an issue. Well, a lady went to a church one time, and uh, I think it was Montevallo, and the pastor stood up and said, I want you to listen for the Word of God. And she thought, why did he say listen for the Word? And she thought, for the Word, what does that mean? Well, she had just been to a conference that talked about inerrancy. And she said, wait a minute, we don't listen for the Word of God. We listen to the Word of God. One little preposition, Bob, one little preposition makes all the difference between listening to and listening for. So to go back to your question, our seminaries and a lot of churches, that's why they can say we support same-sex marriage or we support uh, this policy in America or this political movement that's totally contrary to the word that's how they they get to that place so let's talk just a bit as we begin to wrap up our conversation about how churches are being affected by this drift away from inerrancy and they claim to be well enlightened and perhaps and i would say that there's some personal interpretation or some rejection of of some of the as they see it hard parts of scripture so tell me what you see as really the negative impact on churches that actually back away from this concept of inerrancy of course i think younger people and you and i talked about what's going on at auburn university and other campuses of course strong movements and University of Alabama and and other schools, but young kids, one thing they actually appreciate is when a person is not vague, but they stand on principle. They stand on something as conviction, and they don't waver. The problem we're seeing with churches right now is they, they waver, they make one concession, and we all know if you make one concession on truth or principle or conviction, The next concession is knocking at the door, and then the one after that is in line and so forth. Churches didn't get to where we are today overnight. It was a a small crack in the door that's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. The point is we can do this lovingly. We can be winsome, but we have to be willing to say, this is who I am. I'm a follower of Christ. This is who I believe. It's not just what I believe, but whom I believe. And I've entrusted to him that which is going to keep me 
in you until that day. And we just have to stand on principle and not waver. George Shamblin here on The Intersection. You can find him online at georgeshamblin, S-H-A-M-B-L-I-N dot com. The website for the Center for Executive Leadership is thecenterbham.org. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. Through the Meeting House homepage, as well as the programming menu at the Faith Radio website, you can find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast, as well as the Meeting House radio program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed, plus you can watch video of Meeting House guests on the Faith Radio YouTube channel. There is a link from the Meeting House homepage. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Search for Faith Radio Podcast when you go to Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, TuneIn, and other podcast platforms. Next on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, the author of Salt, Light, and Kids, Steve Hines, based on personal experience and a scriptural perspective, offered encouragement for Christian parents in training and teaching children in the ways of the Lord. Here now from that Meeting House conversation is Steve Hines. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. So breaking that down, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Parents have to not worry about other people's opinions of decisions they make really in anything but but in parenting and they and they can't make that be something that really concerns them number one number two the second part is really interesting he says indeed i do not even judge myself my conscience is clear but that does not make me innocent so what does that say i also can't be proud of an opinion I have about a particular issue just because it's the way I want to feel. So just because I feel good about something, that does not make me innocent. And then Paul says, it is the Lord who judges me. So how does the Lord judge us? He judges us through scripture and he judges us through the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So when I look at parenting today and kind of the keys, um, one would be just uh, uh, stripping down all of the noise, I think uh, the the big issue is just there's so many voices for parents and for kids, and Satan has used that as as a as a great tool. The Bible says Satan is a liar and the father of lies. And how does he lie? He lies through confusing us. But then the Bible also says God is not the author of confusion, but is a God of peace. And so, getting rid of the confusion in all
all of the voices, and then us being, through God's teachings, the loudest voice in the room for our mm. kids is so important. Um, so, number one, getting rid of all the noise. Number two, uh, keys for parents, I would say just being aware and not being reactive but being proactive because like we talked about a, a bit ago with the ever-changing uh, field, there's probably a lot of parents who don't know their kids can buy drugs on Facebook at the, a, a couple of clicks or you know, all the different examples. And so just having a keen awareness of what society's doing and Satan's doing through society is so important um, because you can't fight issues that you don't, that you don't know exist. Uh, 100% effort, we talked about leaving it on the field, that's always so important to just give all the attention and prayer and everything that parenting deserves. Our kids didn't ask to come into this world. Uh, they're here because of us, and so they're a huge responsibility for us. I think number three, if I'm thinking through this, I'd say living by example. The Gen Z and the Gen A, which comes after them, are looking for stuff that's real. It's no longer a do this because I said to, and then they're happy to do that. They want to see uh, genuineness in us as parents and so if we're not living a genuine godly life and you know for instance if a mom is drinking to the point of you know having a bottle of wine every day starting in the afternoon or if dad's watching trash on tv or whatever our kids will notice that and so so the realness of our life is so important and then probably lastly is the communication and this is a huge one because I'm telling you the bad forces in the world are communicating with our kids and our grandkids at earlier and earlier ages so we have to be so aware of creating that open environment with our children. Steve Hines here on this edition of The Intersection. You can find him online at saltlightandandkids.com. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Summer 2023 Christian Product Expo in Lexington, Kentucky, neuropsychologist Michelle Bankson offered comments relative to pain, how Christians can regard it, and how God works in our lives through it. She has written a book entitled The Hymn of His Garment, Reaching Out to God When Pain Overwhelms. From that Meeting House conversation at the CPE show in Lexington, this is Michelle Bankson. I think that's why we hinged the book on the story of the woman with the issue of blood, because she experienced that chronic pain for 12 years. So she was yeah. one who was likely praying and asking God to heal her, but she hadn't experienced it. But in the midst of that pain, you know, it's interesting because what she wanted was her physical healing. And Jesus did give her that when she reached out and touched the hem of his garment. But our God is, is a God who is over and above all that we could ask or imagine. So she not only experienced her physical healing, but in that moment, Jesus validated her worth by calling her daughter. He gave her a future and a hope for her life when he said, go in peace. And he gave her a beautiful testimony none of which she would have experienced had she not gone through that. So for your listeners who are in pain right now, perhaps they've been crying out 
they haven't received their healing, I just want to encourage them that God is still working behind the scenes and his plan is perfect and his timing is perfect. So it's up to us, though, to keep reaching out for the hem of his garment in faith. And there are those times where we see healing and sometimes we, we have seen and known, maybe known for ourselves or seen others that have received miraculous healing where, where prayer has been said and, and lifted up. There's others that don't experience the, the healing or have not experienced. That's not to say they won't. Right. There are others that experience healing by being taken from this world and and, and right. actually experiencing the healing of a of a new body and and leaving this world which while it it certainly brings grief to those who are still in this world it still brings great healing and joy to those that know the lord that that leave this world so the the thing is we're not in a position as believers in Christ to dictate Exactly. To God, the type of healing that he wants to do in our lives, because it could come in, in a, any number of ways. Well, and what brings me solace in those times is knowing the scripture verse that says God never withholds any good thing from his children. So while we may be seeking healing for one thing, God is working behind the scenes and sometimes he's healing other areas that he deems more important. But that is not to say he doesn't still love us in our pain. In fact, Jesus came, experienced his own pain and suffering so that he could sympathize with us in our healing. So what should be our attitude, as you see it, from a biblical standpoint toward really wanting to be healthy, wanting to walk in good health? There are certain principles that we see throughout the scriptures about taking good care of ourselves. We, we recognize that there are areas even such as diet and exercise and things like that. So we should be good stewards of the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, so therefore there are things that we can, and I would submit should be doing in order to, you know, to maintain that sense of trying to be in the, the best health we can, right? Absolutely. I think that we need to give adequate attention to what we are doing to contribute to our overall physical, mental, emotional, relational health. But then once we've done all we can do to trust God that he is going to do what only he can do. And that's what we see with the woman with the issue of blood. She did everything that she knew to do. And then when she had exhausted all of her physical and financial resources, then she reached out to the great physician and trusted him. Well, I've got to ask you a question as we conclude our conversation here at CPE. You are a neuro psychologist. So explain to our listeners what it is that you do and really how some of the things that you've learned are highly applicable to dealing with spiritual issues. As a neuropsychologist, I evaluate and treat patients with any kind of brain disorder. It could be ADHD to dementia or seeing patients after they've had a head injury or a stroke. And what I do is look and evaluate to see what areas of the brain are not functioning well and what can we do to try to optimize brain functioning. But one of the biggest roles for me as a believer who is a Mm. neuropsychologist is helping patients understand the importance of their thought life and learning the impact of the thoughts that they have 
on their body, on their mind, on their relationships, and making sure that those thoughts align with the truth that comes from God's Word. Michelle Bankson here on this edition of The Intersection. You can find her online at Dr. or Dr. Michelle B. We are nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming menu at faithradio.org. Through the Meeting House homepage, as well as the programming menu, you can find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. Plus, there's a link to the Faith Radio YouTube channel where you can watch video of Meeting House guests, including recently added video content from the Summer 2023 Christian Product Expo in Lexington. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Or you can find a link through the programming menu at faithradio.org. Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.